Well, uh, today I'd like to turn your attention to a story that we find in the New Testament uh, about the Apostle Paul. And uh, he was... He was with Barnabas and being anointed, uh, they just knew they were praying uh, as the Holy Spirit was leading them. And they were in a city called Antioch. And as you read in chapter 13 and 14, we won't really be reading too many of the verses. There's just too many for uh, a setting like this today. But I'll be referring to some specific places that the Lord took Paul and Barnabas, they had no idea at the time, of course, many of you have read these passages over and over again, they had no time, they had no idea that years later, centuries later, we would all call this Paul's first missionary journey. And of course, in the book of Acts, you'll read about a second missionary trip and a third missionary trip, but they didn't use that language then, they didn't know what it was called, they didn't even know they'd survive. Uh, but this was their first trip, and they were taking off from a place called Antioch. And this trip, like every other trip he took, and like so many other examples in Scripture, was full of detours. One unexpected turn after another. Now, I know a lot of us, including myself, can't really relate to a lot that Paul went through. But I'm wondering today at Mosaic, is there anybody here who would say, yeah, I could probably think of one unexpected thing that happened in my life. Right? A couple, right? Maybe two. Maybe some of you are on the tail end of that and you're saying, thank the Lord. Um, maybe some of you are in the thick of it right now. And uh, the Lord works in mysterious ways. And, and I just felt today that there would be some folks here today who could be encouraged that God has not forgotten you. That the challenge you're walking through, it's real. You're not making this up. But God has you right in the center of his eyesight. He has you, he's, he's holding you up with the palm of his hands. And I hope today you'll be encouraged. But also for some of you, this will be a, a praise to the Lord. It'll, it'll remind you once again about the victory that the Lord performed in your life. And we need to, to go back every once in a while and remind ourselves, God was so faithful. I, you know, I forgot about that. Or I, I haven't thought about it. And for some of you, Probably everybody in this room. Today could be a, a getting our bearings straight for some unexpected detour that we aren't aware of that's coming down the road. I remember it was in October of 1996. We had just had our third child, two boys, and now we had a girl. And it, we were at a church service because we were dedicating our little baby, Abigail, who's going to get married this month in a few weeks. And my mother had come up from Florida, and uh, she, she had told me the last time I had seen her to go into that Dr. John right now. Do you hear me? Because I had this little bump on my neck that was, it was just cosmetic. I mean, there was no pain, there was no nothing, just, oh, I'm getting older, I got these moles and bumps now. And here, months later, after the dedication's over, before she hops back on the plane, she, she gets that mother's finger out, how many of you have seen that mother's finger before, right? And you get to that doctor right now. She inherited that mother from her mother. I remember that very, very distinctly. So, okay, yes. So, went to the doctor, and, and uh, that Saturday, by the time I got to the doctor, it was now November, and we root for a different team up in Columbus. You guys, of you have heard about this uh, great team. Our, our friends in the back, I know, are rooting for the Buckeyes all year long. It's awesome to see you guys today. 
in your amazing blue. It's beautiful. It's a uh, God bless you. We are one in the body of Christ, aren't we? Amen. Well, November 23rd, 1996 is a day I'll never forget. Because that was the year that Ohio State had two quarterbacks. They were playing these two quarterbacks all year long off of each other, right? And, and they, it was working. And they had won every game of the year. And now they just have one game left, November 23rd, 1996, a Saturday. And why would I say that day in the connection of my doctor's appointment? See, just like I expected earlier in the week, he'd taken this, this little mole off, and uh, now I was going back to just make sure everything was okay, and he wanted to see me on a Saturday, which is really strange for doctors. And so we wanted to watch the game that day at my in-law's house. We had things to do, and so this was kind of check-the-box off day on the way to watch the big game against Michigan. That's who we had to play that day. It was the last game of the year and beat the Wolverines, and then we're on, we're on to the Rose Bowl. And so we went to the doctor's office, and hallelujah, there was nobody in the waiting room. Nobody, which is what you want to find see when you go to the doctor's office. I'm not going to have to wait. Well, there was one person in the waiting room, and it was the doctor. I mean, there was no nurses. There was no nobody. He was sitting in the waiting room waiting for me and my wife to show up. And so, I'm like, okay, this is going to be quick. And... Uh, he got right to it. He said, Mr. Wooten, I don't know how to tell you this, but you have cancer. And that mole we took off was a lymph node, and it, you have Hodgkin's disease, a cancer of the lymph nodes, and so you really need to get to an oncologist as soon as possible. So I remember, <laughs> like it was yesterday, and some of you, you have a story like this. I realize that. I remember hopping on the interstate with my wife, and now we're driving to the in-laws for the big game and gonna see family and friends and all this stuff. And I remember later on, like, did he just say cancer? And I remember like, okay, yep, yep. I'm gonna start turning my head to the left because I don't know what's gonna happen, but if I start crying, I want the tears to fall this way so my wife won't, won't see what's going on, only to find out later she was doing the same thing. Leaning <laughs> her head to the right. Well, obviously, that was a long time ago, and here I am today. And so uh, Cliff's Notes version of that is after tons of prayer and great help from my doctors and, and all of that. On July 10th, 1997, I walked out of my last chemo appointment and heard the doctor say, Mr. Wooten, you're cancer-free. And so I praise the Lord all these years later for that miracle in my life. And I, I don't take it for granted. That day, November 23rd, was not so great because the Wolverines won. And so it was one of those days where I'm like, sir, really, I had cancer. And he's clapping. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, we've had a, we've had a few uh, interesting games, we'll say, between, now, between then and now. But uh, I remember at the end of that day, you know, it's, it, is, it is comical in a way because of all, all that people around the world are dealing with. Our poor friends and family in Florida, right? I'm sure some of you have relatives and friends. My mother is uh, getting life back to normal. She's in Fort Myers and just walking through that. We're so thankful that she survived. But you think about almost 200 people who died yesterday in Indonesia at a, at a soccer match, right? And all of the, the chaos that ensues, right? So it sounds kind of funny now to think 
that as a result of the Buckeyes losing that day, that at the end of the day, I was more upset about that than I was about what the doctor had said. And I was feeling kind of low, like, God, are you still on the throne? <laughs> How silly sometimes. But our, our brain and our heart can mix together for some awesome, awesome results when we're led of the Lord, when he is guarding our hearts. But when we're not careful, that same combination can take us to some dark places. It can take us to some hopeless places. And we have got to stay rooted in God's word. And so today, I want to have us be encouraged by what we see from the life of Paul and Barnabas on this detour-ridden trip called the First Missionary Journey. We could talk about, you, you could take these notes today. I know that you have a handout, and I want to make sure I get to those. I, I'm one of those people. So help me, if he doesn't fill in all the blanks today, he better get to that point, because I know you're not going to be able to sleep tonight. I'll, I'll do it, I promise. But you really could take this and apply it to so many people in Scripture. You could apply these notes to Abraham and Sarah, Joseph, talk about a detour, Moses and the Israelites, Hannah and Samuel, David, Esther, Elijah, Daniel, I mean, on and on and on, Mary and Joseph and Peter. All of them had these same set of circumstances with different names in different places and different circumstances. But the story is the same, and that's, that's why it should encourage you and me today. We're going through some stuff. We will go through some stuff. But at the end of the day, these detours really are not just exceptions or additions to life. Really, almost every story, every story is the detours of life and how we navigate them, how we, how we allow the Lord to lead us. So let's look at this first First fact, I have three facts as we deconstruct maybe some notions about detours today. Three facts about detours and then three myths about detours. We'll go through them really quickly. The first fact about detours is detours have different signs. You know that from riding, riding around the interstate and the city streets. Detours have different signs. Sometimes they give you lots of warning. Bridge out 30 miles ahead, and now with the apps, we can, we can find out if we're paying attention. How many of you get so angry when you forget to look at the app, and all of a sudden you're in a traffic jam, and ah, if I just looked at that. Sometimes detours have lots of notice in advance. Sometimes the signs aren't, aren't that long. You've got about 1,000 feet. You're going to have to pay attention now. You're going to have to get over. And then sometimes the detours come, it seems, without any warning at all. Detours have different signs. So, so let's not get all rocked and, and off kilter when sometimes the, the detours nag at us because we've had so much notice and sometimes they, they just seem to blindside us. Detours have different signs and that's what happened to Paul and Barnabas at the first stop after they left Antioch and they went to Cyprus, this island. On the very first stop on their trip to spread the gospel, with no notice, there was no sign for this, Elamus, who was a sorcerer, confronted them immediately. It wasn't like, hey guys, guess what, when you get to Cyprus, there's going to be... No, right out of the blue, they're just getting started and there's no roadmap for this detour. And Elamus just begins, he's, he's a very influential person, and he starts confronting them. He starts challenging them, trying to poke holes in, in their testimony. 
But Paul and Barnabas remained faithful. They knew why they were doing what they were doing. They knew that even though there was someone now chattering, it reminds you of Acts chapter 4 where the apostles were being arrested. And they said, now, Lord, behold their threats and grant that with all boldness your servants may proclaim your word and that signs and wonders may be done in the name of your holy child, your holy son, Jesus, as you stretch forth your hand to heal. Yes, threats are coming. But the mission stays the same. And as a result, a Roman-appointed overseer of the whole region, Sergius Paulus, accepted Jesus as Savior because this detour that popped up seemingly out of the blue with no sign did not detour them from their mission. And they stayed on track and Sergius and other people accepted Jesus. Detours have different signs. Secondly, it's a fact. Detours have different sizes. Detours have different sizes. Changing a lane for a few thousand feet or for a mile or two is one thing. But sometimes you've been there and, and the road is closed. The, the exit is now, you have to go all the way around. Sometimes the size of a detour is life-altering. It's like, we're, we're not going there. We're, we're, we're not maybe going that direction at all. Detours have different sizes, and as children of God, as sons and daughters, we have to prepare ourselves for that. There are people in this room today, you know what it's like to have a life-altering detour. But God is still on the throne. God still has a plan, and, and perhaps we serve a God who knew all of that before the beginning of time, and that's why he prepared you to be where you are today, so that detour, small, medium, or large, would not detract you from the mission he has you on. That's what happened to Paul in chapter 13. A different size. In the last uh, version, example, we're talking about one person, the Elamus. Now we've got a group of people, envious Jews in Acts 13 through 39. Verse 13 through 39, a whole group of them began to speak blasphemy and accuse Paul of contradicting the gospel, uh, contradicting the truth that they believed. But Paul continued to preach. Pilate put Jesus to death, but God raised him from the dead. And those Jews kept trying to detour him from his mission. But because he stayed firm, Gentiles believed. And the gospel spread everywhere when they got to this Antioch. Now this is a different Antioch than where they left. You know what that's like, right? There's, there's Manhattan, New York, and there's Manhattan, Kansas. And those are a little bit different places, right? There's Columbus, Ohio, and Columbus, Indiana. And so this is what happened. They were in a different Antioch. And the, the detour was a different size than the last one. But what stayed the same was God's faithfulness. What stayed the same was Paul's commitment to preach the gospel. Fact number three, detours, of course, have different signs, they have different sizes, and now they have different sources. The detours in your life, if you haven't figured it out by now, come from different sources. And that's challenging. Sometimes we get into mindsets that, that cause us to think it's everybody else's fault. Sometimes it's the opposite. We get into mindsets where everything's my fault. I'm no good. Here's the truth. The detours that happen in our life, the challenges especially that we face, they could come from present day human activity. There are things that other people do, good and bad, things that I do, good and bad, that you do, good and bad, wise and unwise, that, that cause our path to go a different direction. Sometimes it's what somebody, you or me or somebody else, willfully chose to do. 
Sometimes the source of detours in our life has absolutely nothing to do. Please hear this. Sometimes it has absolutely nothing to do with what you did, what someone else chose. This was not of anyone's choosing. It was simply because we live in a fallen world. Because of the sin that, that came onto this planet as a result of Adam and Eve's choices, the, the fallen state of mankind, Mother Nature, would you, if you want to use that word, we live in a fallen world. And so sometimes, and it's, it's hard to know, that's why we need the Lord's wisdom and discernment to discern where is this detour coming from. Sometimes, however, as I experience today, detours happen because something better in fact, something much better is under construction, right? So sometimes there's temporary sacrifices we have to make, investments and stretching that we have to get on board with because something better is under construction. And I travel for a living. And I know some of you in this room, that's what you do too. Some of you travel the globe. Some of you travel the country. I primarily travel Ohio. This month alone, I'm going to see 2,000 leaders in our 14 different geographical areas of Ohio as we gather in these evening uh, celebration tour dinners. It's so exciting to travel the state and see what God is up to. You are part of a network, and even despite COVID, what we're sharing uh, in each of these dinners is that last year, 2021, no state, no district in our fellowship across the country experienced a greater net gain of churches than Ohio. We planted 17 new churches in 2021. Even after COVID, in the state of Ohio, we are so thankful for what the Holy Spirit is doing through each of our local worship communities because something better is under construction. Detours have different signs, they have different sizes, and they have different sources. And that's why we need James chapter 3 verse 17 to help us. Because James even writes about how do you know if the wisdom that you're trying to discern, is it coming from heaven or is it coming from hell? The, the impression that, that you're getting right now, this is how I should respond. Is it because through prayer the Lord is leading us? Or is it because we had some really bad pizza last night and then we're just thinking crazy today, right? How do you know? And James said in, verse three, seven, in chapter 3, verse 17, the wisdom that is from above. You want to know if it's wisdom from above? Well, I'll tell you, it's pure. The, the choice you're going to make, the direction you're going to go... It's going to feel pure to you. It's not going to feel like you have any ulterior motive. It's pure. It's going to produce peace. It might be tough, but the decision that we're going to make right now, it's going to create for more peace, not more chaos. All right? It's going to be gentle. We're not going to make some decision and, and be selfish about it and it hurts other people. It's, we're going to do this in a gentle way. Right? It's going to produce peace. If we, if we go this direction, it's going to be pure, peaceful, it's going to be gentle, and I'm going to be open to reason, willing to yield. That's part of wisdom. I may not go the direction or make the choice that I would have made on my own, but I'm listening, especially to godly people. And, and let's decide up front that we're going to be willing to yield because we can't come into a conversation or decision automatically knowing that we've always got the right answer. We've also got to believe that it's full of mercy. If we go this direction, 
It's going to allow the mercy of God just to come in, and, and I'm going to show mercy as well. It's going to be full of good fruit. If we make this choice, James said, then we can expect with confidence it's going to produce good fruit. We ought to be able to see that. And then two cautions. Don't do anything with hypocrisy. Don't make a decision right now that, that is, is hypocritical compared to where, where you've been doing. And, and don't show partiality. Don't, don't make a decision that's going to favor this person and harm this person. All right? So they have different signs, different sizes, and different sources, but with God's wisdom and the Holy Spirit's leadership, getting involved in our life group so that other Christians can rub shoulders with us and help us process these things, we can make the choices with each detour that honors the Lord. Well, let's finish now with busting these three myths. After Antioch, they went to a different city. This time they're headed to uh, the city that we call Iconium. And here we see that detours are not always unhealthy. That's the myth. If it's a detour, if it's, if it's making me change my plans, well, this is unhealthy. This, this can't be right. Well, not every detour is unhealthy. Compared to what, you might say, right? Detours can actually be opportunities. Anybody here like Silly Putty? Anybody a fan of Velcro? How about one of my favorites, post-it notes? I, I couldn't live without post-it notes, but it gets more serious than that. How about anesthesia? I am grateful for anesthesia, for penicillin, and for pacemakers. What am I talking about? I just named all these things that were accidental discoveries. The scientists in the lab were not trying to invent that. I, I left the, the best one for last, even Coca-Cola. It was an accident, right? These are things that are, that are part and parcel to what we call living in the 21st century, and they were detours that nobody was expecting that led those scientists to go that direction. Detours in your life can be good news. They can be currency for you because they can clarify your journey. There was a little bit of ambiguity. Oh, we could do this. We could do, oh, <laughs> now, okay, I know what we got to do, right? They can clarify your journey. They can increase your influence. Having a challenge or an opportunity present itself can allow you to be the one the Lord uses to step up, and that can increase your influence. It can launch your leadership as it did throughout the New Testament. Detours are not always unhealthy. And that's what Paul discovered in Iconium when he and Barnabas went there. There was a violent attempt, as we read about in the first seven verses, by unbelieving Jews and Gentiles this time to abuse and stone Paul and Barnabas. They were preaching in the synagogue. They were winning many new believers, but now they wanted to stone them. Anybody ever face that kind of detour? Have you ever had anybody in your whole life say, all right, come on, out to the edge of the city. We're going to stone you to death, right? I've never, I don't know anything about that. Yes, I would call that a detour. And without reading up on it, I would consider stoning unhealthy, just for the record, all right? But guess what? As a result of Paul's faith, Barnabas' faithfulness, they began to preach again. More signs were, were performed, more wonders, and more people were added to the faith. Even if detours look unhealthy on the surface, even if there are some challenges, they are not necessarily unhealthy, especially when the Lord leads us through it. The second myth is that detours are untimely. I don't have time for this detour. I, I got to get to point B. I don't have time for this. Yeah, they sound like they're untimely, and many times they are. 
I remember uh, uh, an evening, Sobe, years ago, I can so relate to you and Reagan, my wife and I got married uh, one month and started a ministry at a church, a brand new town, uh, the next month. And so we started our ministry together as we started our marriage together. I can go back to that and relate to so many things, including what happened a year earlier when the pastor at the other church told me that I needed to be at this missions banquet on a Thursday night. Okay, all right, I can do it. I can put it in my day timer. We didn't have our Outlooks back then, or Google. So, sure, I can. I, it didn't feel like maybe the most timely thing for me to do, to add a banquet for all these grown-ups when I was the youth pastor. But yeah, I'll go. I am so glad I took advantage of that untimely detour because that was the evening that I heard from the Lord a wake-up call. John, what are you doing what are you doing? You know that young lady, Bridget. You need to ask her to marry you, and you need to do it right now. Don't wait. Go over and figure out a way to ask her to marry you. And that is what I'll preach about when I come back the next time. I don't have time for that today. But I will say that we're celebrating 32 years of marriage uh, this month, and we just had our first uh, grandbabies. So I am very thankful in hindsight that I went to that very untimely missions banquet 33 years ago, or else I would have missed on, on everything that I consider precious and meaningful today. Detours can feel untimely, but they may not really be, especially when led by the Lord. Detours can be routes to perfection. That's what James chapter 1 says. The trying of your faith, those, those struggling seasons, can help you produce a faith that, that becomes more and more perfected. Detours can be catalysts for needed change. It can be a wake-up call. Yeah, it doesn't feel convenient, but maybe what's happening right now is, is not necessarily created by the Lord, but perhaps it is allowed by the Lord because it'll wake us up. Wake up! There was a scientific experiment uh, decades ago, some of you remember it, called Biosphere. It was actually Biosphere 1 and Biosphere 2. And it was this uh, artificial living environment, like a huge greenhouse. I think it's still there today. They'll give you tours. They closed it. They were, they were both of these experiments were ultimately unsuccessful. But the, the premise was, let's create a man-made place where people can live inside. We'll lock the doors. We'll create a, an oxygen system, and it'll be a greenhouse so they can grow their own food, and this will be helpful later on when the apocalypse comes, and, and people can still live if they'll just live inside. And so it's fascinating. There's so much written about it. One of the many things about Biosphere that did not prove successful was growing vegetation, even though it was a greenhouse. The specific problem were the trees. You got to have trees. Trees make oxygen. And the trees did grow in this beautiful greenhouse. But when they got to a certain height, guess what happened? They started to fall over. Have you read about this? They fell over. Why did they fall over? Because the roots had never been tested. There was never any storm when the, when the trees were only this tall to cause the roots to grow where short trees would grow. And then there was never any storms that would cause them to bend and to stretch when they were this tall that would cause their roots to reach out and, and, and cause them to grow those roots deeper. And so these trees, never going through any detours in life, never having any, it'll preach, won't it? I mean, it preaches all by itself. <laughs> so, you know, isn't that awesome? 
So yeah, now is not the time, sir, to walk away. Now is not the time, ma'am, to, to tell yourself that, that false narrative that, that God's forgotten about you. Now's the time to dig deep. Now's the time to let those roots go down where they need to go. Yes, you're getting pulled this way, and yes, you're getting pulled this way, but that's how God is going to prepare you for the next thing, and it's going to be beautiful. That's how God's going to hold this marriage together. It's how he's going to perfect the calling on your life. It's how he's going to give you a legacy with your children and your grandchildren because you're allowing his Holy Spirit, and you're allowing the people in your life who love Jesus to, to hold you up as your roots get deeper. Detours, they're not always untimely. When we allow the Lord to keep us right where he wants us, in hindsight, they can be some of the best gifts that we've ever experienced in life. That's what Paul discovered when they were at Lystra. It felt untimely. It was kind of funny. A crippled man was healed. Paul was preaching the gospel, and he was healed. And, and the crowd began to distract Paul from his message. Now, they didn't want to stone him. They wanted to put him on the throne and call him a god. <laughs> they even named him and, and Barnabas gods and, and gave them uh, godly names. And they're like, no, no, no. Don't, don't worship us. Worship God who gave us this power. God who healed. Finally... We can tell ourselves a lie that detours are unusual. No, they're not. It feels like it in the moment. Maybe in that day, in that location, yeah, I'm not belittling the challenges we walk through. But the enemy wants to come in and whisper in your ear and say, no one else has ever had, this is horrible, Job. God has forgotten you. That's not the truth. Don't listen to that lie. Detours are part of life. Detours are, are what we walk through on this fallen planet. But not one day, not one day do we go through a detour without the strength and the love of our Heavenly Father, of our loving Savior, to not only help us get through it, but to have a testimony. And, and let me be real, that there are some detours, and, and yes, it is the end of life. I'm not saying that, that we walk and skip through every challenge that comes our way. But it's only the end of life on this planet, which is tough when it feels untimely. We celebrated this week the funerals of some heroes in our fellowship in, in different places and, and going through those funerals and services and hearing those testimonies. Yeah, they, they didn't enjoy the cancer. Of course they didn't. Yeah, the dementia and the Alzheimer's is insidious. But the legacy of people who watched how they lived and navigated that detour, the faith that grew in them as well as those who were watching is yielding now and forever an eternal testimony of more and more people who grew in their faith in Jesus Christ. Detours happen to all of us. They're, they're really not the exceptions to life. They are life. Life on this planet. But that's not where our eternity is. Any day, any day, we're, we're waiting now for the Lord to, to usher us into his new kingdom. But until then, we have opportunities left and right to model living for him, trusting in him, and encouraging other people with our testimonies. 
how quickly <laughs> did things turn in Derby? After being glorified as though they were gods, all of a sudden now they turned on them. The crowds were motivated by others who were speaking, and now they're in Lystra. And as a result of being faithful, a new church gets planted in Derby because Paul and Barnabas did not get deterred from their mission, even though now people are wanting to stone them. Yeah, it's unusual to be stoned. <laughs> it's untimely. Yes, it, it, it can feel unhealthy. But look what happened as we see Paul uh, several chapters later in Acts chapter 20. Reflecting now, not after the first journey, not after the second journey, but after three journeys, all those places, all those detours. Lord, may this be our cry. And see now, he says, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem. I don't know the things that will happen to me there. He's learned that right now. <laughs> He's learned by now to say, I don't know what's going to happen. Except I do know this. The Holy Spirit testifies in every city, telling me that chains and tribulations await me, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I might finish my race with joy. Lord, let that be my prayer today. Let none of those things move me. I know this is a crazy world. I know there's threats. I know there's challenges. It's heartbreaking. But Lord, let none of those things move me so that I can finish my race with joy. Notice three things there as we prepare to pray. So that I can finish. I don't know where our paths are going to cross down the road. But I'm counting on them crossing in heaven. My prayer for every man, woman, boy and girl in this place today. Is that like Paul, you'll be saying, I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to finish. Secondly, he said it was his race. We all run our own races. We're all in the lane that God has placed us in. And, and your race is not like her race. And his race is not like his race. We all have a race to run. And here's the beautiful thing. If I'll run my race the way God has designed for me to run my race, then the people in my life who are watching will know that God is on the throne. They'll know that God does the miraculous. They'll know that God is the God of peace. But the people in your life won't know that because they're not, they're not in my life. However, it's all flipped. Only you can run your race. You are reaching people that Pastor Joe cannot reach. You're in a world that's watching you in a way that's not watching what she's doing or what he's doing. So everybody in this room, we've got to finish and we've got to run our race. And we've got to get excited and motivated and thankful that God has given each one of us a race to, to run because each one of us has a world that's watching. Finish my race and do it with joy. I don't want to finish my race with grumpiness. I don't want to finish my race with hesitance. I want to finish my race with joy. And you can do that. And she can do that. And he can do that. And you know others who've done that, even despite the, the challenges. Finish our race and do it with joy entirely possible as we allow the Lord to lead us and guide us every step of the way. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much 
for the testimonies that are all over this room today. People, we know their stories. They're not making this up. That was a, a major detour. They didn't have any notice. That, that really seemed like it was untimely in the moment. But now we see how they're walking with you, how they're seeing the fruit of their faithfulness just begin to grow and expand. So Lord, thank you for making Mosaic the kind of community where, where people finish their race with joy, where, where they don't give up, where they, where they don't become bitter, but with the help of brothers and sisters, with the strength of the Holy Spirit, that we all run our races with joy so that as many people as possible can see in us a loving, living Heavenly Father in His grace and His mercy. Thank you, Lord. Even today, if there's somebody who, who has yet to jump into this race, if you're here today and, and you're, you're saying to yourself, I don't know that I would call myself a committed follower of Jesus. You made an incredibly smart decision, not just to come to church today, but to come to Mosaic. There are resources and there are people. This is what they do. I pray today that God's mercy will find its way into your heart, that, that you will feel his Holy Spirit leading you to say, this is what I've been talking about. This is the path that I have destined for you your whole life. Step into that today and receive the forgiveness of Jesus that's freely offered. God, we commit ourselves to you again today. For today, let us run our race with joy. And may you receive all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.